Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17. I'm going to be reading from the message uh, paraphrase translation because I, I like this translation because often when we become so familiar with passages of scripture, we can sometimes miss things. And so I invite us to hear this passage hopefully anew today. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. And his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it always was by fractured human nature could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. 
with his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. The res- this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is and we know who we are, Father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today is the day that we celebrate our seniors. And typically... As graduations approach, seniors get lots of advice, and they also get lots of questions, something I sometimes like to lovingly call the inquisition. Or if you're used to going to a family reunion and being the center of attention at any moment and being surrounded by lots of family who you haven't seen in a while, getting bombarded with questions, and it's just a a lovely experience. All the questions of Where are you going to go to school? What are you going to major in? Are you going to double major? Are you going to minor? Are you going to join clubs or do activities? Are you going to get a job? Are you going to study abroad? Do you know who your roommate is? Do you like them? Are you scared? What are you most excited about? What are you least excited about? And the questions go unending. All these questions... I remember the question that has stuck out with me the most is a question that my seminary president asked us as graduation approached for my class. And it was a very pointed question of, will you live? Not how will you live, not what you will do, but will you live? And this is the question that Paul asks us in Romans 8. Will we live? Will we actually live? Because we have been offered true life. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. So often when we talk about the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we settle for naming that a sin and brokenness and shame. And yet the thief that can come to steal, kill, and destroy is also all those measures of success and worth and identity 
that can still our focus and still our hearts and still our time and still our love outside of Christ. Life is not measured in what we do or how much money we make or who we know or what we've done. Life is measured by who we are in Jesus Christ. And Paul makes clear in Romans 8 that to have life is not found in following the rules or even the laws in Scripture. Because the thing is, we can follow so many laws in Scripture. But as long as we turn them into a checklist, as long as we view the laws in Scripture as things that we're supposed to do, we turn those laws into idols. Paul's saying it's not about the rules, it's not about the laws if we miss what the Spirit's doing within us. Because the thing is, the rules and the laws and Scripture, following them as much as we want to, of caring for the widows and the the poor and the orphans, we can give some time, we can give some money, but following these rules and laws can't make us care. They can't require love. 1 Corinthians 13 says these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Micah 6.8, this verse that we've been sitting with as a, as a church family for the past three weeks, says God has told us what is required to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. To love mercy is best translated as loving kindness, this attribute of God, of this unshakable God who is forgiving, this unshakable love that is radical and unmerited. It's this characteristic of the God who is faithful and true throughout our lives, throughout all generations, no matter what is happening. I remember I told uh, the, the worshiping community in Intersection a few weeks ago, I said, when I look at being asked to represent the loving kindness of God, it, it, At first I think, how in the world am I supposed to do that? This is why we love God. This is why we find our home and our strength in God. This is why God is everything, because God is loving kindness. God is compassion. How can I even begin to love like God has called us to love? But here's the thing. In Genesis, when God created us, God said, let us create people in our image. We are created in the image of the triune God. Because we are created in the image of the triune God, because God has placed his spirit within us, we can 
love as God has called us to love. Because our sins don't make us human. Our sins are our sins. They are not what make us human. To be human is to be made in the image of God. When we love as God has called us to love, when we love selflessly and radically, when we love with forgiveness, we become human. When we love as God has called us to love, that is how we live. The rules and the laws can't make us love. What we discover in the person in the life of Jesus is someone who often left the religious leaders feeling a little angry, actually more than a little angry. Jesus continually reminded the religious leaders that you can follow every law, but what matters is having the heart that God intended behind them. The heart for God and the heart for God's people. To live is to be continually looking around us for how we can love as God has called us to love. Especially when we don't want to. To love as God has called us to love by looking at others, especially those who, who we know that there's a lot of differences between us. But we're choosing not to look at our differences and we're not even choosing to look at our similarities. We're simply choosing to look at someone and remember that they are made in the image of God just as we have been. We are called to love. Jesus said in John 15 that the greatest thing that, that we can do with our love is to lay down our life for a friend. And that can seem so, such a radical statement and a statement that we can easily disregard. Because at what point are we going to be asked to lay down our life for a friend? But it's not just our physical life. Sometimes it's our reputation or our social standing. Think of how many people, I think of how many pastors, white pastors in the South, gave up their jobs and risked their lives when they stood up for racial rights during the Civil Rights Movement. I think of Elton Brown telling me of the burning cross in his front yard after he signed a statement. For Christians, the call to lay our life down for a friend is the call to see people made in the image of God and to always be asking ourselves, how can we love them as God has called us to? Because Jesus continually laid down his reputation, laid down his social standing, and made people angry when he chose to disregard the rules and the laws and the things that people thought were important, 
when he went to talk to the woman at the well to give her living water. Or when he went and drew the line in the sand before the woman caught an adultery who was about to be stoned to death. Or when Jesus went and called Zacchaeus to come and eat with him, to come and, and be identified with Jesus. Jesus didn't care what people thought of him. He didn't even care what his disciples or the, or the religious leaders thought of him. Jesus cared about seeing a person and seeing the image of God in them and living out of the love that we have been called to show. To live is not to follow the rules, the commandments, or the laws. To live is to seek to love as God has called us to love. And when we love as he has called us to, we will find life because we will discover what it means to be human, to be made in the image of the triune God. Because as we live and as we seek every day to live, to be faithful to God, God's spirit that has been placed within us will show us the people in our path to love. The people we may miss at times. By the fact that tonight in Madison County, there's going to be at least one mother who tucks her children into bed on empty stomachs because they don't have enough food. Or the person that will miss who's sleeping under the underpass tonight for another night. There are people everywhere that God's spirit is just waiting to lead us to, to show us how we can love them, how we can show the living and present God to them. As Paul wrote in verses 14 through 17, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. There are people waiting all around us every day who need to be loved, who need to be reminded that God is alive, that Jesus Christ was not just a good person or a good teacher, but what it means that we as Christians believe Jesus is King and Lord. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you have received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Creating God with a childlike what's next, Papa. God's Spirit will guide us each and every step, each and every day, into life, into what it means to be human. We will get to be used by the living God 
But the question that Dr. Barnes asked us when we graduated seminary remains here today and every day. Will we live? Will we love? Will we discover what it means to truly be human? Will we live? Let us pray. God, it can be so easy to be caught up in what we assume is life. Lord, help us to remember each and every day that to live is to be found in you and to live out of that love as we discover the life that you have always intended for us. Lord, help us have the eyes to see the people all around us you have called us to love radically and selflessly. Help us to, to rest in your unshakable love as we seek to be faithful. You are everything, O oh Lord. Help us to remember that. And help us to live as a people who truly believe that. It's in your son's sweet and precious name that we pray. Amen.